from the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. really keen to understand about your platform, Steph, Align. So for obviously the listeners out there who don't know and have, haven't come across it, tell us more, put it into context for us. So, I mean, the overall aim, and, and that's also where the name comes from as well. Some people like this, a fun fact. It's actually an old English spelling of the word Align, as in A-L-I-G-N. We chose it because it's about aligning your online activity with your learning goals. Uh, so that's where it comes from. And it was born out of the realization that so much learning is happening and we say informal learning and that's basically everything outside of a classroom or a very formal course. So when we're listening to podcasts, people listening to this podcast or watching a video or reading an article, people are learning from it, but it's not being captured anywhere. And there's a lot of people that, you know, are very curious and invest their time in this. But when they want to take the step of going into a career in that area, there's no proof of it. And we rely so heavily on the degrees that maybe we got 10, 20, 30 years ago as proof of our learning or on our experience. And that's not always a clear indication of what you want to do in the future. So we created a line, which is an app, and we're going to be publicly launching in the next couple of weeks. And now it's a very fun time. We've been building it for the last year and, and testing it. And so we'll soon be launching it. And it's a, it's a platform where you can, you can collaborate with your peers so everyone can add content onto it. Basically, if it's got a URL, you can add onto it. And so you can discover new content, but most importantly, you set your learning goals and then you can get relevant recommendations based on that. And then you can, in the future, be able to use that profile to sort of show this is my learning goals, this is where I'm headed, and this is what I want to do in the future. So it's adding that extra layer on top of, okay, Yes, I've done that before. Or yes, this is what my formal education is, but this is what I'm interested in. And this is what I'm investing my time and energy in and really helping people stay motivated and, and for also their employers to understand this is what my, this employee wants to do. So how do I support them on this journey? So if I've understood that correctly, the content is defined by the user, i.e., if I'm a user and I want to I don't know, listen to a particular podcast, I would then add that in into my profile, I guess. Is that the sort of concept there? Just so I've understood it. Yeah, you can. It's, so we've we've borrowed a lot of the behavior from social media. So I'm sure everyone can relate to doom scrolling where you end up spending hours just scrolling. And often, you know, with everything that's happening in the world, it's often in the last few years as well, it's, it's often quite, you know, maybe not uplifting content all the time. And so one thing about it is making it more productive. Your online activity, rather than scrolling and seeing people's lives, um, actually scrolling and finding learning content. So by that way, it's it's a mix of, in the same way that you'll see an Instagram recent posts, you'll see recent posts from on the Align app, but it will be only learning content. So anyone can add content onto the platform, but then you'll be, they'll, we'll mix in some recommendations knowing that, okay, Paddy wants to learn in X and innovation or growth hacking, therefore this is a relevant piece of content. So we can push that towards you 
but it also means you can see what your other peers are learning or if you're sharing the same learning interest with somebody, then why don't you share content with each other and say, hey, like I found this really interesting podcast. The Superpowers podcast was great. Let me share this onto the platform. I like that. It sounds like a really, like a super intelligent way to learn, very modern as well. And obviously learning could end up looking so different to how it used to be. So in your perspective, Stephanie, what do you think is the future of learning and why do you think it's important? It's a huge question. If I had a single bullet answer, I probably would be a very rich person by now. But I think, I mean, I keep going back to this word, but I really truly believe in it, is uh, the future of learning will be based in curiosity in people and and that's how people build that talent in okay wait how, how does this work okay then you learn something and then it gets triggered another thought or another area that you keep relating things into but even the world economic forum have released the the top 10 skills for the future to be employable and a lot of them are and i don't like the term soft skills and i like that you talk a lot about human skills because that's what i use as well and actually four of the 10 are based on the human skills on how adaptable are you how good are you at problem solving dealing with change we've seen in the last few years there's constant change and curveballs being thrown at us so the more adaptable you are as a person to sort of pivot and learn a new area the better so i think you know curiosity and problem solving kind of realizing that the answer's out there i just need to have the motivation to to find it it's going to be one of the biggest roles that learning has some people always speak specifically about certain areas the most common areas are you know like productivity leadership programming ai machine learning you know insert another buzzword there as well but <laughs> i think ultimately it's about problem solving yeah, I, I was going to say a few years ago, I was at one of these learning and development conferences and I was lucky enough to do a presentation there. And there was a lady there who represented a big corporate and, and something she said that really stuck with me and it, it absolutely aligns with your platform Align. It was... You made your first Align joke. Yay, there we go. Uh, that's one of my better ones, Steph. Anyway, what she said was... She said, why are organizations so fixated on building these large, clunky LMS systems, learning management systems, when actually, if we just understand our learners a little bit better, why can't they learn in the flow of looking at social media? So her whole notion was, if people like to watch YouTube, if people like to watch you know, Instagram videos, these short, sharp videos, as an organization, shouldn't we be promoting more of that material to them rather than creating these big clunky courses that, you know, they have their place, but for the general population, I think they only really connect with certain types of people. So I love what you're doing because what you were talking about there with the platform, it really aligns with that sort of approach and I've always wondered, would that really take off? Is that something that someone's going to do one day? And so are you guys like the first startup that are doing this or have you seen others do this and be successful? I mean, we're, we're the only platform doing it. No, I mean, there's a, we're in good company. There are some people that are trying to do this. It is a difficult problem to solve. And I think a lot of people naturally associate when they hear about a learning platform, they associate it with the traditional learning management systems and I often get asked, okay, so can I create a course on your platform? And I say, 
No, because there's so much content out there. You know, the amount of content isn't the issue, but having structured content and tying it to your goals and actually getting proof of your learning activity, that's the problem. And so that's why we're not building on creating your own content. Maybe we will, you know, in, in a year or two down the line. But there, there are a couple of people that are trying to solve a similar area. Again, a lot of them are working in their own, sort of creating their own content. But those that are working on integrating like us, ultimately, I'm quite happy that there are other players or, you know, competitors. Competition never hurts, I think. I think it always pushes you to be better. But it's a massive problem that we're trying to solve. So the more of us in the market, the more of us that are solving that problem, the better because the whole aim is making education, you know, we say making education more dynamic or making, providing more equitable learning opportunities. So if you have an internet connection, you'll, you can be learning, but until now there's not evidence of that. So ultimately, yes, it motivates you to be better. And it also at the same time, there's so many people to serve in this. So there's other players then they're helping us reach our mission at the same time. That makes me think of a word that I learned from one of your articles on a line, the word infobesity. So what is that and how do we respond to it? Yeah, sure. Nice uh, nice that you read it. It's on our Align blog. It was actually me that wrote the article. So I'm trying on one of my learning goals is being better at communicating. So doing more public speaking activities like this one as well as I want to get better at copywriting. So that was me throwing my hat in the ring to write it. But yeah, infobesity, it can also be known as information overload, information anxiety. Some people like to use the term infoxication, but ultimately it's about having, you know, we've created more information in the last 10 years society than in the rest of history behind that. So when you actually put that into consideration, it's 2022 and oh, but we have created more content in the last 10 years than in the last 2012 years before then. And that's obviously technology has been the main part of it. There was a lot of information, but it wasn't accessible or maybe it's, it's lost in history. So we need to work out how to actually deal with this and not get overwhelmed by it. So suffering from infobesity or information overload means that you're getting overwhelmed by having so much information coming in and only a finite ability to process and our brains are still the same as you know a thousand years ago so our brains haven't really developed the same pace as technology yet we expect it to be able to generate and process all this information at the same rate that a computer can and it's just not possible and that's why you see a lot of mental health issues evolving from it so one of the I mean some of the main things that you can do to help with it is you know as much as you think multitasking, and I am a serial multitasker, but I'm trying to get better, you think multitasking is going to be more productive. It's not. Just focus on one thing at a time and try and time box your days. So, you know, email is a is a thing that haunts all of us and trying to clear the email inbox, but set aside one hour where you just do what that rather than when you're constantly jumping between topics. Mentally, it's it's really hard to keep up to date with that. And it's also impossible for your brain to to be able to jump from each track and multitask. I think it was, um, I, th- I, I might misquote, but I think it was the sleep doctor, um, Matthew Walker, that said that when they actually looked at the amount of people, uh, of humans, that can multitask without their performance being impacted at all rounded to the nearest decimal point or nearest percentage is zero. 
So anyone that says they can multitask, your performance is going to be, you know, impacted in the other tasks that you're trying to do. So that's some of the ways that you can help with it. And also take a break from social media, take a break from the news. It's important to be update, up to date, but it doesn't need to be all consuming. Oh, that's the topic close to my heart is that whole notion of how do we stay focused and productive? There's a book called Stolen Focus, which I've been going on about to everybody. Johan Hari's written it. And he actually talks about that exact thing around multitasking and what a detrimental impact that's having on productivity. And he actually separated himself away from social media for a period of time whilst he wrote the book. He took a phone that was incapable of connecting to the internet, which was a task in itself to find a phone these days that doesn't have internet connection. And he talks about just how much of a positive impact that had on him in terms of his mental well-being, but also in terms of being able to focus. And there's some other elements he talks about in there. So I, again, I, I totally agree with you, Steph. We are just bombarded with so much distraction at the moment. Like you say, social media, so much work being uh, pushed on people. It's becoming unbearable, I think, for many people and really just makes things difficult. One of the other nice things I love about the book, he talks about boredom mm. and how wonderful boredom is for creativity. And then you talked about kind of future skills as well in terms of the World Economic Forum. And I think we need to go to more boring meetings because we need boredom. We need boredom to allow the mind just to wonder. Because I've seen sometimes you're at work, your team will say, hey, let's do a brainstorming session. Let's all get creative. And you're like, but my brain is fried. I'm in no state to be creative right now. You just can't force that on someone because we haven't had the time and space to be able to, you know, let the mind wonder. So yeah, lot, lots in there, I think, and uh, really do love that. And I love that word, infobesity, was it called? Yeah, infobesity. And uh, I haven't actually read that book, so I'm going to add it to my reading list. But there's one of my favorite TED Talks. I, I really like TED Talks. I like uh, that they're sort of short snippets. But one of my favorite ones is on the same line. It's called Boredom to Brilliance. And it's about, you know, we're lacking innovation and creativity now because we're not allowing our brains to be bored. And through boredom, it can lead to these brilliant ideas because when you're bored, suddenly your brain starts connecting different dots. And that's where the best ideas come from. And so it's, it's a similar track. And I think even things like, and I mean, I'm definitely not, not perfect in it, but things like, you know, you, you get overwhelmed and you feel like you constantly need to be plugged in to be, you know, even when I'm walking, you know, it's sometimes rare that I'll, I'll go through several days where I haven't been either, you know, at an office or talking to people or listening to music or listening to a podcast or watching something or actively talking to someone. And you think, when was the last time you went for a walk and didn't have any kind of input coming into you and allowed yourself just to think and Often, sometimes it can be like, a, a, you know, several days or, or even, you know, weeks when you haven't had constant input into your mind. Yeah, no, you're right. And in the book, what's quite interesting is there's research that he quotes whereby since the 1960s, on average, people that live in the city have started walking 10% faster. <laughs> and it's just the world we live in. People are just in such a rush. We don't have that time to take that slow paced walk. And just, you know, kind of get, get relaxed. It just doesn't happen these days, does it? So, yeah. No, but you see this whole like craze of people kind of going back, like, you know, the trends come around, but now all of a sudden 
you know, slow food or slow, you know, slow and enter any other word is becoming really popular. And I think there's a lot of, you know, boomers maybe that are saying, that's how we lived, (laughs) you know, like a few decades ago, that's just how we lived. But all of a sudden, because we feel like we're constantly having to run, being forced into, you know, being a bit slower and, you know, we forget about, I don't know, we think our brain is very different from any of the other organs or muscles. If someone wants to be the best runner in the world, if they spent every single day, every minute of every single day running, you'd think they were an idiot because you think, well, your body needs to rest and recuperate and, you know, get the energy to be able to perform. But we don't use that same analogy about the brain that actually we do need to rest if you want to perform very well. And and yeah, for people with the physical thing, it's a no brainer of, of course, I need to rest because my body, you know, shuts down if I don't. But forget about our brain is also... <laughs> very important part of our body. Yeah. Talking about brains, Vera's got a big brain compared to me. So Vera, I'm going to pass back over to you for final question. Oh, final question. Oh, that word. That's pressure. Well, I'll do the classic. I'll do the classic superpower school question. What is one superpower, Stephanie, you think people ought to begin investing in now to prepare them? for the future? Big question. I'll answer learning because I think people often think it's just an action, but you need to get better at learning. So learning about learning or learning about behavioral science, how can we be more productive? How can we learn in a certain way? And I think that is the root of everything else that you're going to learn about. If you know, if you know how to learn, then you can learn in the most effective way possible. So I'll say that's the superpower that people should get. I love that because sometimes you think, oh, I'm no good at learning. Other people can pick things up smarter than me, but you can actually improve it. Yeah. Superb. Thank you. I'm pondering over that because I think you're so right. It goes back to find how you learn best and follow that. Some people, when they read books, they read them in depth. If your intent is just to get some new knowledge, you may not have to read it so deeply. You may just skim through and you might even jump from chapter to chapter based on your outcome that you're looking for. So that goes back to making sure you know what it is that you're trying to get out of your learning and then take the appropriate path towards that. So love it. Well, Steph, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I know we've probably dabbled on quite a few different levels on this episode, which I love because I think the best episodes are those that aren't just linear. I've certainly learned a lot. I've learned a new word. So I'm going to be <laughs> checking out your blog article as well. So thank you for that. And, and Vera, last word from you. Anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? Well, I would say, I think just now I've learned better at how to learn. So thank you, Steph, for coming along and teaching me about that. Thank you so much. This, uh, this has been a, a great chat. And yeah, I guess that I'd say my last uh, word of advice is also like, find your why. Why are you even learning an area? Because once you have that, then it becomes a lot easier. So never forget that. Love it. Thank you so much.